Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry. It's always Chris Ferry. That's just always what my name is. And my co-host, as always, is... Uh, mine doesn't change. It's Chris Huddleston. And today we are so excited because we have a special guest for you. The first time. It's episode 38. We have a special guest, Mr. Tom Seymour. He is a... Dear friend, he is a filmmaker, a an awarded, a decorated filmmaker, and he just recently got his master's degree in film. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, you are welcome. I couldn't be more pleased. And I'm even more pleased. This is a great start. I'm doing great. I'm crushing this. <laughs> I couldn't be more pleased to tell you about the film we're going to talk about today because it's a treat. Today we're going to be discussing the uh, 2002, fi- 2002, right, Chris? 2002, yep. The 2002 film, Bubba Hotep. Impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip? What was it? 20 years ago. That's where they took a piece of my brain. I got a little bag of sand up there now. Jack, President Kennedy was a white man. They dyed me this color. What we have here at Shady Rest is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. He can just keep on feeling unless he's finally destroyed. All right, man, let's go. Stop on you, baby. Okay, nice trailer. So, do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. As you said, Bubba Hotep is a 2002 film. It's directed by Don Coscarelli. This is our second Don Coscarelli movie in a row. We did John Dies at the End last week. It stars Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis, and the synopsis that I have from IMDb is based on the Bram Stoker Award nominee short story by cult author Joe R. Lansdale. Bubba Hotep tells the quote-unquote true story of what really did become of Elvis Presley. We find Elvis, played by Bruce Campbell, as an elderly resident in an East Texas rest home who switched identities with an Elvis impersonator years before his death then missed his chance to switch back. Elvis teams up with Jack, Ossie Davis, a fellow nursing home resident who thinks that he is actually President John F. Kennedy, and the two valiant old codgers, I love the word codgers, sally forth to battle an evil Egyptian entity who has chosen their long-term care facility as his happy hunting grounds. The evil Egyptian entity is a mummy. I don't know why they didn't say that in the synopsis. but So that's what we got. Excellent. That's a pretty good synopsis. Yeah, that's a pretty good um, synopsis. Tom, you you are our special guest, so why don't you kick it off? What are your thoughts of this film? Well, the the director um, Don Cascarelli. Um, I'm just a, a huge fan of his work. I know that you guys recently reviewed one of his other films, right? Uh, it's a it's John Dies at the End. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, he's he has directed. Uh, you know the the fanti the sorry phantasm uh series and i which is truly like an independent film series the first one was 
pretty low budget and really excellent. So um, the guy is just a master of the sort of like, uh, you know, sci-fi horror type of thing. Um, so Bubba Hotep, I found it to be uh, uh, really satisfying. It, you know, it stars Bruce Campbell, one of the sort of great horror comedy actors, you know, and I think this is one of his finest performances. You know, he's got these characters like uh, Ash Williams or like Briscoe County Jr. Uh, but the, him as Elvis, I think, is is excellent. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, Bruce Campbell was just a delight to watch throughout. Um, it's, but so was everybody. I think strong performances, although it's, there aren't many characters that actually have much to say in this one, but I, I just thought it was a delight. It reminded me actually quite a bit of the stuff he did with Raimi in terms of the sort of, I wondered how much influence um, Bruce Campbell had in some of the bits because they felt very, uh, sort of true to form from those Raimi films. Did, am I alone in that or? No, no, I can see that. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And the little bug, you know, the bug flying around and the kind of bug cam where it's flying at him. It just all felt uh, almost homage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's like, uh, I know that Bruce Campbell loves, the three stooges as does Sam Raimi. So it always feels like there's a little bit of that in there, that, that sort of physical camp, you know, no matter what he's doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Tom, you talked about Don Cas Cascarelli and we talked about this last week with John dies at the end, that the budget was under a million dollars on that. And we were, we were both pretty amazed at, at what he got out of that. Um, how the film looks for that budget. And I looked up, with Bubba Hotep, it's the same thing. It's a mil it's listed as a million dollar budget. And, you know, it's a self, it's very self-contained. Everything kind of takes place in this nursing home, but still, you know, it's a good looking movie. And I think this is something that could in lesser hands, a lesser director and lesser actors, it could be very one note, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's, we're going to have this movie and Elvis fights a mummy, you know, and that could, you could stretch that a little too thin, but I think what makes this movie work really well is there's a heart to it. You know, there's some, there's some somewhat heartfelt things in this amidst all the, all the comedy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the score I think is, uh, is more touching than you would expect. It, it kind of emotes, uh, makes you feel a certain way, especially they rely on um, uh, Bruce Campbell's, uh, voiceover quite a bit as Elvis and it, it pops in here and there. And that, that felt like something that was a lot more common maybe in the early two thousands, like the heavy voiceover with, with score underneath. And to some degree, I feel like we, it's almost like that was like a, a, a of the day. And maybe we've gotten away from that so much. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but the um, that's not to say that heavy voiceover isn't used all the time. Probably more in TV. I mean, um, thinks Star Trek Captain's Log. That's all voiceover, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, I, I I think part of the the sort of touch touching touching part of the film, I think, does. Um, I think Bruce Campbell and his voiceover does a lot of that heavy lifting, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I also, tone-wise, I really liked... So there's a lot of comedy. Well, I mean, it's... it's, uh, I, it's I guess it's a horror movie because it's about, um, you know, a zombie. Uh, I mean, a, sorry, a mummy. Um, but it's really funny. And I love the way they stitch together the funny and gross. Sometimes that's, you know, stomping on a giant scarab beetle and the, it's sort of all the goo that comes out of it. But a lot of it is just in the dialogue and the conceptualization. Like he's got some sort of a growth on the end of his penis. We don't see that in the movie, <laughs> thankfully, but it's part of the plot. Like the nurse has to come in and put ointment on it and stuff. And he talks about it at length, which also Pecker, feels very, refers to yeah, yeah. It feels very true to, to Bruce Campbell as we've seen him on screen before. 
And, uh, you know, the mummy, a lot of scatological stuff, like the mummy um, f- gets one of these old people and flips them over and apparently tries to suck their soul out through their butt. <laughs> right? And they make a point that could be any orifice. You, you could suck the soul out of. But for whatever reason, that's, <laughs> that's what we establish he does. Yeah. Um, and, and it's when, it's fun, but it's also kind of it's it adds to the gross. It kind of crosses, it helps stitch together the kind of ooh and the ha ha, you know. Well, it's it's kind of mind blowing too that Ossie Davis is in it. It's like this kind of civil rights activist guy, you know, with him and uh, Ruby D. And and at first you're like, why on earth <laughs> he's so good in it? But you're like, why are you in this? But uh. I mean, maybe that was the only chance he would ever get to play JFK. <laughs> yeah. I like the gravitas that, again, that's a thing where, you know, maybe a lesser actor, the fact that he's such a, because he was in, I, I think probably more than one Spike Lee movie, you know? Um, yeah. So he was this really great actor and it just, it just lends uh, some weight to, you know, a B movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they got great casting. The two of them together, it really sells it. Like, I suppose on paper or even in the synopsis, it's like two old people who think they're, you know, think they're Elvis and JFK. But I, it was more fun for me in the middle of the movie. I, there was a point at which I just felt myself go with it and and wanted to believe in the mm-hmm. world that these guys shared in together. Yeah. That he really was Elvis and his yeah. switcheroo. That you know, I I I wanted, I bought into it, and that's kind of a coup. That's hard to do in a movie, even when you're playing it straight. But this one is so silly that I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, like that's the thing is like he, Ossie Davis is supposed to really be JFK. Like they put his like JFK's brain inside his body or something like. At some point, I think Elvis sees a scar on the back of his head. So it, uh-huh. it's just kind of, it, it's sort of, you know, maybe is true. Um, I like the fact that um, in Ossie Davis's, you know, sort of retirement home room, he's got a red phone. I thought that was funny, you know, when he picks up, the, picks up the red phone like the president. Um, yeah, it's just a super charming film. And for what it is, you know, crass and, funny but has a certain sweetness which is i i think um really cool and and even the action sequences you know action sequences a lot of them are just like you know uh like in you know like a a wheelchair chase scene stuff like that but it just kind of all uh works you know the the stakes feel high and as you said it's like a sort of singular location but um, and everybody's slow, right? So that's uh, what El- makes it Elvis funny is too. a walker, yeah. and yeah. JFK is in a wheelchair. Although he doesn't, he doesn't, see, he can stand. He doesn't yeah. seem to require it, but you don't hang up on that too much. But so they're moving at a pretty slow pace, and then the mummy walks like a mummy, <laughs> staggers. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's a sort of a where they're all kind of facing each other down. The fastest thing is the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> And I think that's a funny conceit that, you know, you have this mummy who moves slowly. So they didn't try to reinvent the mummy and make him move fast or something like that. But he, it's, it's like, okay, the perfect victims for a mummy would be people in a nursing home because they're going to be the slowest moving people, you know? Yeah. yeah. Except they, they kind of gave him Texas flair, like somehow, somewhere along the line, he picked he up a, ca- a couple of snakeskin yeah. cowboy boots and a, yeah. yeah, it's, it's sort of, um, it's got a medicine man thing going on with some feathers and stuff coming up at the top, but it's a cowboy hat. He's definitely a Bubba Hotep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I didn't quite get where where that happened. Was that the the truck drivers or something? Like I, I didn't quite where he got the uh, the sort of cowboy swagger, you know? Um, like clearly he wasn't in Egypt like that, but hmm. <laughs> now I yeah I, I, I don't know where, kind of where he picked that up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, great film. Now I was reading the Wikipedia page and, um, I don't, I don't know some of this. I knew kind of around the time, just reading message boards and things like that, but they, there was talk for a while of a sequel of doing Bubba Nosferatu. 
and they I didn't really realize. So in the movie last week, John dies at the end. uh, Paul Giamatti is in that and he was heavily involved in the production of that. And he and Don Coscarelli must be friends because um, he was involved with this, I guess, maybe producing or something. But he was also involved with trying to get a sequel off the ground. Uh, Paul Giamatti was. And they said in um, they had some quotes from Bruce Campbell saying that he and Don Coscarelli had worked on a script and they couldn't really there were some major points that that they didn't agree on. And but they're friends and they Bruce Campbell said he kind of felt like they just had to walk away from it because these were things that he that they really disagreed with. And I guess he was afraid it was going to hurt their their friendship. And then so, you know, it never happened. And then they had talked for a while. I guess there were some talks of trying to have Ron Perlman take the role. And then, you know, it, it just kind of fizzled out. But <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Would have been very different, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, I don't know how well it did financially also. But I, I suppose if they were talking about it must have done well enough um, for them to even talk about uh, a sequel. Cause well, I would what, what I read was uh, it was a million dollar budget and it brought in 1.2 million. So, well, okay. Hey, you know, you make, make your money back. It's worth doing is my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was back when they didn't, you know, a, a movie like this, they would not spend a million dollars on advertising, like if it was a million dollar budget. So it was a totally different time. Like, so um, it, it could make sense why uh, they would green light a sequel, you know, if especially if it recovered, you know, cause, that, cause that's what people forget too. If a movie, so if a movie costs a million, even if you made a million and everything was even, that typically means everyone got paid. They at least got paid whatever yep. their wage would be, you know? So um, that's not, a bad thing it's only become a thing now where these big studios need to you know almost triple their budget to make up for the marketing you know chris did it say in the wikipedia when you were reading up on it does it say anything about the salaries that uh no i didn't see anything about that i wouldn't be surprised if you you know you had a million dollar budget if you paid you know your two leads if they each agreed to take a hundred grand or does it say anything on how how long they took to shoot this? Mm, you guys talk and I'll look. Because um, I feel like if you've got a million bucks and you're shooting at Union, yeah, you're on a clock. You're on a pretty tight clock, and they oh, yeah. didn't. You know, there's not crazy. It's a practical suit. They have a guy in the in the mummy suit. The uh, the beetle is practical. Um, they don't really have any CGI except when he like when the mummy says things and it's the like hieroglyphs that float out. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's fun, but that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. and so it's sort of one location and the like and the creek behind it. I guess in the flashbacks they go somewhere. They went somewhere else for a day and shot all the Elvis stuff. Um, yeah, and just yeah, really incredibly well lit and 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 shot. So you know, it just. You know, I think that's a lot of your time, you know. Uh, I feel like if you got those guys and you said, look, I can promise you, you get a say in the create. Like if you have suggestions about the dialogue or whatever, you know, we want you to be collaborators with us. Um, we'll pay you a hundred grand for a month, you know, and come down here and we'll get you a nice hotel or whatever. You stay at my sister's. I don't know what they do, but. I can imagine somebody like you. You work with Daniel von Bargen, and you paid him what a grand, two grand for a day. It was like three grand, yeah, for paid, a day. Yeah, for a day, yeah. And we're, he we're, he, you shot all of his stuff out in a day, and no, I don't say this to offend anyone because I think everyone did a great job. But in many ways, he's the best thing in the film. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's great. Yeah, from an um, acting perspective, like he brings decades of experience to it, and it's a funny little um you know you know i'm i don't mean any of these things in a in a pejorative way but it's a, it's a silly comedy and he brings gravitas to this movie and and a sense yeah. of gratitude and didn't he say to you like i'm just thrilled to be working <laughs> like yeah well he was he was uh this is a, a film i did called london betty which chris ferry was actually in as the character karate stan uh and um 
but he was he we worked really fast and so we were shooting his scenes all day so he you know he he was in seinfeld and a bunch of other um shows malcolm in the middle and things like that and i think he was used to basically just being on set for most of the day and then finally getting around to his parts you know uh so he just liked having all his stuff blocked off and i would imagine like with people like uh you know, Ossie Davis or Bruce Campbell, it was, it's the same thing. At the end of the day, they, they want to work on projects that where the budget's large enough, where they, they know it's going to be a decent project, but that it's like a meaningful part and they can just act all day long. It's not like they're not some side role that just has to sit in a trailer for <laughs> hours right. and hours at a time. You know? Lots to do, lots of juicy, fun stuff to do. Lots of like, you know, two-hander scenes, you know, you're, you're selling it to Ozzy Davis. You're saying you get to play, so you're JFK, really, you know, and this these crazy conspiracy things have happened to you, and now you're set up here in this home to kind of keep you quiet and nobody believes it's you, and the only one who believes it's you is this is Elvis, who, you know, has swapped out, and he's... I mean, it, that sounds like so much fun. Did you read the script, and you're like, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, would be a, if you say it's a month, you know, it's, you know, we'll pay you a hundred grand. I just... I, who could say no to that? It's it's probably also the combination of the the director too. You know, like these guys, maybe they got the script, and they're like, "Oh wait, uh, this guy Don Coscarelli." No, he's they're they're probably fans of him. You know, um, and you know, you know, it's funny. I was talking to one of my friends, and he he said, um, he said this this weird genre of horror comedy. It, it's got a lot of street cred, but apparently it is not profitable. Apparently is not mm. particularly profitable. Yeah. And because this, because you think of Bubba Hotep, you immediately think of like Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. And a, a lot of the films like that, um, which I never knew, it was they, most of them struggle uh, to recover their budgets. Um, even though they seem to all have like like the good ones seem to have real staying power, you know. Yeah. Um, but I wonder the, if I wonder what the reasoning is for that. Is it like hardcore horror? Because I really I love horror comedies, but uh, are hardcore? Is it that maybe hardcore horror fans don't like them because they're not really scary? You know, they're just funny. You know, it's maybe like they're a lot of times they're too. Uh, too funny to be scary, but maybe not, yeah. you know, uh, not a straight up comedy. I, you know, the, I yeah. think the, it presumably was, I mean, it had to have been at least in a cult sense successful, you know, you kind of think of Shaun of the dead, um, yeah. as being one of the really successful, uh, you know, horror comedies, but that probably made a lot more money on video than it ever did yeah. in theater since it was an English film. I don't, I'm just guessing, but yeah, well, no, I, they, it right. also falls on it falls. There's two sides of a line there, right? Because you can say that you guys saw the remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead, right? The, mm-hmm. the relatively yeah. recent yeah, yeah. remake. So, excuse me, that was a genuinely scary movie, but there was a lot of comedy in it. Yep, like yep. they really leavened the. It was a straight up zombie horror. They were fast zombies. It had a depressing ending. Right. You went to the movie to be scared and they, they leavened it with what I some genuinely laugh out loud comedic moments. Um, but then this one, I think, is on the other side of that line where it's horror because it's, you know, because there is a, a mummy walking around trying to get you killing people. But it's it's really a comedy. It's a comedy wearing uh you know a halloween costume and the, the the fight i think that you're right that the fight elements are effective and that you 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 are afraid that the heroes might not win and that the you know that the zombie when he gets his face near you is going to suck your soul out like you care you're invested it works but there was never a time in bubba hotep when i was when i was genuinely struck with horror right right <laughs> So it's like a, it's a it's a comedy dressed up as a horror movie. We get it. It's not fooling anybody, but it's on the other side of the line from a horror movie where zombies actually are eating human flesh and somebody is screaming as they die by being eaten alive. That has a bunch of funny parts in it too, you know. So I think that the latter, for some reason, gives people 
a sense of catharsis. Maybe, you know, people go out on dates and then that gets them in the mood and then they go, you know, be passionate with each other. I don't know. But, you know, the, the, the ones on that side of the line do seem to sell in theater in a way that the comedies dressed up as horror don't as much. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it probably is a marketing thing. I know that um, the, you know, they know how to market horror and, and, and they know how to market comedy and then, and then um, I think to, to muddle those, not to say that the, the film is muddled, it's very clear, it's a great, um, great for what it is, but I think, you know, the, a lot of directors complain about how their films are marketing marketed. And so I think, um, you know, some of the campaigns are, they don't really like to take risks and they're not particularly, um, right. You know, super creative in the way that they, um, push these things. So that, that may be it too. They may just not always know how to crack that nut. And, uh, but yeah, I think you're right about the, uh, to some degree, I think it, this sounds ridiculous, but I think it might be a slightly more sophisticated audience who likes the horror comedy because you, I think in some cases, you know, you kind of have to know a lot about horror. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is, is sort of referencing horror within itself, you know? I think. Yeah, that, that's a good point because there is a sort of, I remember the first time I saw Bubba Hotep, there was a little part of my mind that was like, so, so what is this? Like, what am I, now he's talking about a big pustule on the end of his dick. Like what, what, where, where are we? What is happening? <laughs> you know? And I think that your average popcorn munching audience might not be interested in something they have to try and get their head around, but you see enough of it, you know, and then I come back and I see it again and it's just a pure ride on a roller coaster. It's just fun, you know, because I just go with it and I, I already have a sense that it's, it's a bit of both and you know it doesn't merit too much thinking and just let yourself enjoy it but i yeah. think people might go into a horror movie ready you know stealing themselves a little they want to be scared they yep. want to get the shivers but they're going in bracing you know ready to clutch the person next to them their arm and like they're on guard a little bit so the comedy is like lets a little of the pressure off but they're not mm -hmm. going in there loose and, and, and ready for to laugh per se. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, the some of the horror can be graphic and, and that's, you know, people don't always want that in their comedies and yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I was just looking uh, at, uh, I just looked up like the best uh, horror comedies and I, a collider had this list, which is pretty good. But a lot of these movies that they have on here, I don't, like Scream is on here. Scream's just a horror mm. movie to me. I mean, there's yeah. funny things in it, but I've never thought of it as a horror comedy. Um, one that I hadn't thought about, but again, is much more in the horror uh, end is an American werewolf in London. You know, that's yeah. a, I think a, that's kind of generally thought of as a horror comedy, but it's, it's still more horror to me. One that they have on here. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but they have gremlins on here. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> sure, but, you know, but Wait, I, did you say you don't know if we've ever seen it? No, no, no. Tom, this, have you ever seen Gremlin? No, no. <laughs> no the one that I was going to, uh, they have, this is the end on here. That's, that's more oh, yeah, comedy. I haven't you know. see that. I haven't oh, yeah. actually see that. That's actually a good movie. But the one that they have on here where I was like, did I miss something? Is this a comedy? Midsummer or Midsommar? Like, oh, have, yeah. have, you, have you guys seen it? I, I haven't. I, oh. I I laughed, but it was wildly I laughed because it was like, wow, oh my God, you know, like just I if, if that's a comedy, that's a really, really dark comedy. Um, <laughs> that is the darkest comedy I've darkest ever comedy, seen. Darkest comedy, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I would don't, say, you know, American Werewolf in London, I get it. It's like the dialogue they have is like these two young doofuses and like oh that's a silly situation but when they actually turn into werewolves it's so disturbing like it's so the snap yeah. muzzle coming out of the mouth i'm like that's like the thing that's like there's nothing funny about the um the horror effects in that it's really upsetting it's body horror you know so i'm like the the laugh kind of chokes in my throat when when they actually try and stitch those two things together 
Yeah. So I guess there's very much a wide range because they have what we do in the shadows on on here, which is just to me that's just a comedy. I mean, it's no, a comedy funny, about right. about vampires, but it's not. There's nothing scary about it. But yeah, right. American Werewolf in London is, you know, there's genuinely frightening scenes in that. So to me, that's primarily a horror movie that has funny parts. You know. Yeah. Tom, yeah, did um, you ever see... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, I didn't find anything really about the production, how long the production was, but um, they made comics of this um, that actually fairly recently, like in like 2018 or something like that. There's a Bubba oh. Hotep comic, and they also did an Army of Darkness uh, Bubba Hotep uh, crossover. And they're, you know, I don't want to disparage the people that worked on them, but I... I read, I think I read most of them and, and they're okay. I mean, they're just kind of silly, but mm. nothing amazing. Mm. That was all I was going to say though. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what I was going to yeah, say. I don't know so. where we were going. Uh, I was some kind of a pivot. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Tom, um, did you ever see Anna and the, and the apocalypse? No, I never did. I oh, never did. God. Okay. Well, I can't talk about it then. So, so if you're, if do you know the premise, at, Tom? Do you know anything about it? No, I don't. I don't. Okay, okay so, just watch it. Yeah, just go watch. It's it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas zombie movie with a twist. And I was gonna ask you some questions about it, but please don't look. Don't watch the trailer. Don't. It's like on on Prime or something, right? It's okay. free. You can watch yeah, it. I believe free so. If yeah. you're a subscriber. So even if you don't get all the way through it. Because I, I want you to have the experience I had. Chris had seen it, and he's like, just don't t- keep your blinders on and just, <laughs> just, watch, just it. Don't watch it. Don't look up. And, and, and I, I texted him, like, all caps, like six or seven texts. Mm. I'm like, what? <laughs> I really, I really loved, it, loved the surprise. Um, anyway, so we'll talk about something else. But, oh, Chris, you had said at one point, you're like, we ought to do a zombie movie. And we were like, have we never done a zombie movie? We had done... Uh, and in the apocalypse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, Tom, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I'm I'm at the point where, like, if I never saw another zombie movie again, I, I don't think I would be upset. But but it's one that's that's it's definitely worth watching. It's a lot of fun. It's different. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try. Check it's it out. a horror. Yeah, it's I, a horror comedy. Oh, OK, yeah, I do. I do kind of feel that way. I, I mean, I my favorite zombie films are. Ramiro, you know, they're all Ramiro. Um, although, you know, you got the return of the living dead, which is interesting. And there, there's definitely a, a, a lot of good zombie films, but yeah, I still think crowning achievement for me is like the original Dawn of the dead, you know, oh, yeah. personally. I think it's just that I just, for me, I mean, uh, kind of since the walking dead became such a huge thing, it just seems like there's like a dozen, I guess it's just because they're relatively easy to make, you know, because you, you know, they're people with it's not like trying to do a werewolf movie or something like that where you're the effects can really be a hindrance. You know, you can you can put some zombie makeup on somebody and it's it's probably not that hard relative to doing some kind of a, you know, some kind of other, uh, you know, monster movie. I, I mean, I, I, I like zombie I think... movies. It's just there's just been just a glut of them. over. Well, the that's the thing is that you got to, so. How do you do something new with something right. so tried and true? Like, how do you make a fresh Frankenstein movie? Like, yeah. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying that the werewolf movie, like it, you, you run the risk of the prosthetics looking so silly. Like you look like a, you know, it, it just. We've I, I, seen it. So how do you make it? thrilling and scary in a fresh way because we all know what's coming and zombies same deal you know we've seen the hand come up out of the grave we've seen the shadow it's like we're familiar with the tropes so you have to really think outside the box and so they did fast zombies or this one's a virus and i I don't know i feel like they've kind of run out of run out of um ways to make it new well i think i think some of it is that like we you know the the Hollywood system, the studio system is kind of obsessed with um, scale, large amounts of things. And, and so whenever you think of uh, like hordes, you, you automatically go to zombies. And when, when you, when it's not zombies and it's, 
it's vampires or something, it still kind of feels like zombies. And um, I was thinking about it too, and I wonder, it's sort of like a a good scapegoat thing. Uh, you know, I think of the Rambo films, and if you look at the Rambo films, he's he's always killing people from a specific country you know it's like okay it's burma here and now it's you know mexican drug cartels here and it's like you know i think traditionally in in films you had like acceptable enemies but but nowadays it just seems like it's all a little offensive you know so hey if you just do zombies that's okay you know like it's totally acceptable to like chop someone's head it's not racist right (laughs) right right (laughs) Right, it's a good politically unless, correct. Unless they're all zombies of a certain race. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that problem. Too, yeah. We talked uh, about uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake that uh, Zack Snyder did, and I know I just said I don't really care about if I ever see another zombie movie again. But I don't know if you guys know or not, but he is directing Army, or I think has directed. It comes out sometime this year, uh, Army of the Dead, and I know you know Zack Snyder has his detractors you know because the Justice League stuff and all that but but I liked the Dawn of the Dead remake a lot so I'm kind of intrigued about this it's going to have Dave Bautista in it and some of the other people I don't recognize but but that Army might be of the, is that the one is that the heist film the yes heist? it's in Las Vegas that looks like that'll be fun yeah that yeah looks like it's got a twist on it have How you do heard you... about this Tom is it anything that it's uh is it the source material anything like Romero or anything like that? Or is it just new, brand new? Uh, I do not I'm just looking here to see like It doesn't who. seem like it. I don't know Romero. Zack Snyder wrote it, so yeah. It must be I don't know Romero. But, no, I, but I think Zack Snyder's very capable. I mean I mean who the three hundred movies so much fun. Yeah. It's, yep. it's ridiculous. The Dawn and I love Watchmen. I love Watchmen. Watchmen. I think it's great. I yeah. did too. Yeah, I did too. I think um, it'll be interesting to see his kind of director's cut revamp of Justice League with the added footage and stuff. Um, I think what came out in the theaters was it, it felt lackluster um, for sure. Uh, and I don't know what the problem was there exactly because to me, yeah, it's it's... You know, maybe it was, uh, you know, too many suits involved or whatever. Who knows? But as, you know, as great as the Marvel movies are and the Avengers movies and everything, I think the Justice League characters are actually, you know, prior to the Avengers becoming a big thing, general audiences, if you think about it, they would have known the Hulk and... Maybe Iron Man. I mean, they would have known Iron Man because of the movies that came before that. But the other characters compared to Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman that everybody knows, you know, it's almost like it it seems and I know, you know, movies are a difficult thing and it's almost a miracle when they turn out to be really, really good. But it just seems like that the Justice League was a formula that is kind of hard to screw up, you know. But yeah, I yeah, think I mean, it was. T- go ahead. I think they tried to force too many things in too few films. Like they were trying to catch up to Marvel, so it was like you know we'll do you know Superman versus Batman, and then we'll do Justice League, and and they they sort of uh, you know whereas Marvel had ten films to work up to Avengers or whatever they yeah. You know, um, but you know when when Zack Snyder was kind of left alone, I mean what he did with night owl and rorschach is exceptional i mean i i would have just if they had if they had a rorschach film i would have i would have signed it up man i'll I'll buy a ticket to that great performance too so clearly the guy is highly capable um you get the feeling if he was just left alone to write it himself and maybe it would have been better but yeah i just think they they needed they wanted things to move too fast and and that's what always happens with these producers get involved. It's they always want to put in too many villains. They, you know, it's it's always a, a train wreck. You know, especially. I also, a, a I third also think that, that 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 you know the Marvel 
there's a kind of a snarky sarcasm to Marvel that really works with Iron Man, that really works with Spider-Man, that I think is sort of associated with Stan Lee, whether that's fair to give him credit for that or not. But that 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 cast and Joss Whedon really, excuse me, it was Joss Whedon, right? No, am I thinking of the wrong guy? Yeah, the first two Avengers were Joss Whedon. Yeah, managed to pull all of those kind of uh, hero leads. They're, they're all leads together and yeah. make it click. And I think Robert Downey Jr. in setting the tone with Iron Man went a long way to sort of, this is, okay, so this is a modern world with the, they're, they're modern and that's why they wear these suits and Thor's wears a cape because he's actually from Asgard. It's a, you know... And it, and that that worked. The DC universe for me, yes, Batman is dark, and they've had mm-hmm. you know kind of graphic novels versions of Superman and stuff that's dark, but the heroes of DC were all to me much more primary colors, right? And Batman got brooding and dark and in the shadows and sort of vigilante, but Superman, Aquaman, Flash. Right. It's like blue, green, yellow. They're just these bright and there isn't a lot of wry sarcasm to it. Right. Batman is not a sarcastic character. He Mm -hmm. is deadly earnest, you know, and and Superman is almost tedious in his goodness. And I just think that with the except, I mean, you know, Christopher Nolan did a great job with the Batman movies, and I think it works because it's Batman, kind of making them modern, and the Batmobile is a military vehicle, and right, he sort of was like, how would this actually look in the real world? But Christopher Nolan is his own genius. Um, and Superman and the Flash don't work don't well really in that universe. Don't really fit in that universe, yeah. and I feel like that's what they were trying to do with Justice League, was like, mm-hmm. let's try and, it's not as it's not as dark and gritty as Nolan but let's try and bring it into that dark nightish territory, and I, I'm just not sure that works. Making Lex Luthor, I'm not sure Jesse Eisenberg was the right casting for that, but just making him of that kind of joke. He's not the Joker. Do you know yep. what I mean? He's I, I, that that it was a tone thing, and I think they nail it with Gal Gadot in uh, Wonder Woman, and I think as much as I disliked Aquaman for a number of campy reasons. I think he's a great, Jason Momoa is is a great casting choice. He's super charismatic and it's a nice rebrand with the hair and the beard than the sort of clean cut guy in the green scales, you know? Um, But the Justice League, I, I think is just a, it's a cleaner, more primary color, more earnest concept. And if they, found a way to kind of did you guys see the um dick tracy movie in the yeah. 80s yeah so back, yeah. that was a little too cartoon a little too primary color but something that was a little more like this is a comic book so we're living in the world where there are superheroes and there's good and bad and it's not about like what happens when the good guys start you know blurring the lines and using techniques that to catch you know it's just no 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 it's superman man yeah, well, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Tom. I just, I I was thinking about, you know, if you look at the Christopher Reeves Superman film, yes. there's something about him like Superman, Superman seems to sort of be like a, a reflection of America in a way. And it's like, for some reason, it's, it seems like Superman can only be as good as the society that he's in sometimes. Like, and you look at the 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 sort of Zack Snyder Superman and he just does not come across <laughs> as pure, you know. Um, and also, I don't think we would accept him if he was. It would just seem a little too hokey and a too, too dated, you know. Um, but, you know, they managed to make that work with Captain America where he was a throwback and he was yeah. a, a noble person in it and it and it worked and. There was something about Zack Snyder's Superman that it didn't evoke nobility in a way that was satisfying. Um, I, I, I was, I'm catching up on the new Star Trek Discovery, and so I'm watching. It just finished uh, season two with Captain Pike, 
And Captain Pike is this total throwback, this like sort of 50s noble, um, you know, Kirk type. And cool. He's kind and competent yeah. and cool. He's old fashioned. He's he's got these, uh, you know, slightly religious sayings and he's got a set of beliefs and he sticks to them. And but he still has success in a sort of corrupt landscape, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a problem with some of the Zack, Zack Snyder Superman. It's just a thought I had, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think what, um, to me, what Marvel does so well is they trust the source material, you know, mm-hmm. even down to some of the, some of the, you know, they change the costumes a little bit, but the costumes, you know, that first, like you brought up, uh, Tom, that first, uh, Captain America movie, you know, the, the costume looks kind of corny, you know, but mm-hmm. it's very true to the nature of the comic. And Marvel hasn't said, oh, you know, we can't use these costumes because they're going to look dumb on screen. So everybody's going to be in black leather or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just like Marvel has shown you, you don't have to do that. And with all of these comics, you literally have, you know, you take all these characters together and there are thousands of comic issues to choose from so again i'm I'm probably making it sound you know way more simplistic than it, it definitely is but you don't even have to make up a story you know you have all these sources that you can you know that you can kind of put together and so i i, I think that's you know uh we're not saying anything that anybody else hasn't said that that dc is just they've kind of floundered because like you said chris the the nolan stuff did so well but you that's not going to work. Nolan isn't going to work for Superman or the flash, you know, you and, and Marvel I think has really struck that balance of the, they're serious, you know, they're not corny, but they're still fun. And you can have degrees of that. Like the, uh, the guardians of the galaxy movies are, they're comedies, you know, whereas Avengers Endgame is, a serious movie, you know, so you can have those, those tone shifts, but it doesn't necessarily have to be everybody's dressed in black and they're brooding and all of mm. that. That's how I feel that, that you I, know, I think maybe, maybe DC should just not have followed Marvel. Maybe DC should have just did one film after the other, like, you know, individual like joker wonder woman batman just stick with the single the everyone was asking for a standalone ben affleck batman film and they didn't get it they got you know they got you know so they're, they're redoing that now um but they you know when when it's done right you know you talk about nolan when it's done right even the first blade those blade films are yeah yeah um when they're done right, when they just concentrate on the one film, a lot of the times it's fine, you know? Um, well, and I think what, I th- to me, I think DC is on a potentially a pretty smart thing where they're kind of doing this multiverse thing now where, um, you know, they, they can have, like they're bringing, they're supposed to be bringing back um, uh, Michael Keaton as an older yeah. Batman in the Flash movie or whatever. So, you know, you can have a, a you can have the Burton or the not Burton films, but the uh, Nolan films, you can have the Joker movie, which is just a drama, essentially. I mean, um, you know, a very, very dark drama and then have suicides. You know, they're doing the new Suicide Squad with uh, the director of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's going to be a comedy pretty much. So. You know, it doesn't all have to be one just because Marvel did it. It doesn't mean that everybody has to have a, a a universe that's all linked together. I don't think. You know what it makes me think of is casting, too, because every now and then you land on the actor that just seems to nail it. And I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr. just nailed Iron Man and it was his. And the idea of replacing him as Iron Man was laughable. Right. And I think that they got Chris Evans in uh, Captain America and th- you know, they got all these clicks like Scarlett Johansson. It click, click. And they finally landed on Ruffalo after a few different Hulks. And it's not that the people that played Hulk before were bad. Obviously, they're terrific actors. It just didn't quite land. But Ruffalo seems like the right banner 
And then he also works when when they CGI him up into Hulk. And I think Batman's another good example. The Nolan stuff works so well because there's something dark in Christian Bale that you just buy. I actually never really bought him as Bruce Wayne. (laughs) I I, I never thought he landed the Bruce Wayne stuff. But when he's in the suit... He, it feels like this tortured part of him has been set loose, and that clicked with me. You know, Ben Affleck, same way. Like, I buy him as as Bruce Wayne more than I buy him as Batman, but they're still kind of... They've got Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Boom, done, right? Uh, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, boom, done. Like, who's going to play that? Even... Um, um, I keep wanting to call him Picard. Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Like, duh, yes, there you go. Um, but they showed with that, you know, you had uh, yep. you had Patrick Stewart, and then you had uh, James McAvoy. His, yeah, James McAvoy, and it was like perfect casting, you know. Yeah, I, I I'm not used to seeing young um, Professor Xavier, but I think he does a fine job. I don't, I don't want to recast him. I just feel like Superman's here's a good example. So who what's the actor who they've got playing Superman now? What's his name? Uh, Henry Cavill or Cavill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he looks the part, right? The chiseled jaw, he's big, he's tall, he's sculpted, he looks like Superman. There's just and I think he does fine work. He does he's they they keep trying him in different stuff. Like he got the Witcher, which was really interesting in its own weird way and it's very different. And he was in wasn't he in one of the recent Mission Impossibles as a heavy, as like a yeah. bad guy? Yeah. And and so they, it's like they keep they they're like I know he's a star. Like his agents are like I we know he's a star. You can see he's a star, and they're, they're, he's in Superman because they don't have anyone better. But it doesn't quite. It's, it's so odd, right? Like he's he's so good looking. It's like on a level that he's only useful for a certain thing. <laughs> Christopher Reeve, there was just something so there was a vulnerable as invulnerable as Superman is. There was something kind of open hearted and noble in Christopher Reeve, even in that corny spandex suit and the like really, um, you know, pomaded hair that you just were like when he was talking to Lois Lane and she was looking up at him and in this cartoon way and sort of melting you're like, yeah, yeah, because he's Superman. Like you, it just fell into place, you know. Well, in the Clark Kent too, you really felt like, oh, okay, I can understand that people don't realize that this is right. the same person, you know, because he did corny, such a yeah, yeah, corny, stupid. It's the same guy. It's obviously the same guy, right? But he oh, he puts on a suit and glasses, and nobody recognizes Superman. But it worked. Yeah. Right. So you got both. It's this and it's that. And you just went with it. And I feel like the DC films haven't quite been able to land that in the same way. Um, I I think, you know, you talked about it earlier, Tom. I think um, if the story is told well, I I think you could do a, a that kind of a I mean, I guess you could say they they did the reboot. Uh, how long ago has it been the the one that the uh, I can't think of his name, but the guy who was the X Men director, um, the super Superman, oh, yeah, Superman Returns, yeah, Superman oh, Returns. So they were basically trying to do the you know the Christopher Reeve thing again, but but I think you can do, um, you know, even in our times that are very cynical, I, I think you can do a more kind of wholesome Superman where he's you know the big Boy Scout. And all of that, and and I think you know, written the right way, I I, I think it could work. Yeah, so I think it, maybe you ahead. guys hit on something where he he he's not as cable is not as warm, right? There's some there's something, and he kind of played it like the alien, you know, he mm-hmm. like rather than you know, it was almost like Costner, you know, humanity you know, made him more human <laughs> than than his actual performance, you know, like um, the the other thing too is like. People forget that, like, before the Avengers, I, like, I'm sure there's many examples you could think of where it's casts of many people, like like the Dirty Dozen, where you have, like, 12 characters, and they're all different, but it all works great. But traditionally, like, Avengers was a very impossible thing to pull off, yeah. and they pulled it off, and I think they really took it for granted, because I always think of... um spider-man and the sam raimi spider-man 
Like Spider-Man two, that second one was impeccable. It was fantastic. And when the third one came out, they put like three villains in there and it just, the whole thing turned to dog shit. And I think people forget like most of the time that stuff doesn't work. So like, it's not really a mystery why justice league doesn't work. Most of the time that doesn't work. You know, it's yeah. too many. And it's not better. It's not It's not like the more meat you stuff in a sausage, the better the sausage is. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They ran it. And that was always one of my pet peeves with the Batman movies, you know, going back to Burton and then the ones like the Joel Schumacher ones that followed where it's exactly what you said, Tom, where it's like, well, we had one villain. Let's have three or four or whatever, you know, and it's like one, you know, more villains does not make a better movie necessarily. No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, rarely, right? I yeah. mean, that would be one instance where that works, but yeah. Um, or just adding a bunch of, you know, I think of blade Tr- Trinity, uh, like they add Ryan Reynolds in there and, and like, you know, it's like, uh, I forget who played the, the other, uh, female lead. Jessica but... Biel was in it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you I have mean, Patton was... Oswalt in there and, it's just like, you know, it, it's a train wreck, you know. Um, Have you guys read or, or heard or we're really far afield of uh, Bubba Hotel Bubba now. Hotel. But, <laughs> but have you heard uh, uh, Patton Oswalt's, uh, you know, it's like kind of a bit that he does. But so he worked on that Blade Trinity. And have you heard any of his stuff that he talks about what it was like filming that mm-hmm. movie? No. I, he says, I bits about... Um, Snipes staying in his trailer all the time and and he was in he was in character all the time I think he would only um you know answer to I I think he wanted to be called B all the time for Blade and he claimed that uh he would just he like he and the director weren't talking so he would just pass notes to the director and Patton Oswalt said you would just go by his trailer and just like all of this just like big clouds of weed smoke would just blow out, you know, I don't know. It's really, it's, it's funny to hear him, to hear him talk about it. But You know, I, uh, I heard this interview with uh, Michael, J- Michael Jaw White and um, he, he told me Snipes perspective on Blade Trinity was like, he felt like they were stealing this franchise from him mm-hmm. because in all the advertising, it would have Ryan Reynolds, big, big poster, Ryan Reynolds. And it would say, blade and it would be jessica beale and it would just say blade and then it would have snipes and say blade and and he felt i think part of the reason why he felt so pissed off on that set was he really felt like they figured out a way to steal it from him Mm -hmm. Um, so but i mean that doesn't explain (laughs) half of the stuff but yeah, who knows? That second one directed by, and it's been a long time since I've seen that, but that second one that uh, Guillermo del Toro uh, oh, yeah. directed, that's one that I'd like to revisit because I, I really loved it. We could time, revisit that. Sure, that would be yeah. fun to watch. The second one is great, as I remember. Yeah. But I, I but love you, Guillermo del Toro. Do you still want to do the one we had talked about before? Yeah, yeah. For next time? Yeah, so if you want to do that next time. We're almost at time. Let's wrap it up. So I, it sounds like, for the three of us, a pretty enthusiastic recommend for Bubba Hotep. Like, oh yeah, for sure. I would say absolutely check it out. It's fun, especially if you're into um, Bruce Campbell and the sort of genre of funny, ind- small, independent feeling, funny horror. It's 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 great, and it's on Prime, so it's free if you have Prime. Right? Yeah, you don't even have to pony up a few bucks to watch it if you're if you're a Prime subscriber. Um, so for next week, we had talked about doing uh, the 1984. Tom Selleck movie Runaway. <laughs> Tom Selleck, Gene Simmons, uh, Kirsty Alley, Kirsty Alley, right? <laughs> um, I don't want to give too much of it away here, but I think that's going to be a fun rewatch. I think I saw that in 1984 or five. Like I saw that when I was a kid, whenever it came out. I told uh, Chris, Tom, I watched it on Beta. That gives you an idea how long our first our first VCR was a Beta. And it was Ooh. really hard to rent. It was really hard to rent stuff. Like well, you know, Tom Tom's documentary, uh, VHS Massacre, Massacre, is about um, physical media and the decline of physical media. Have you seen that, Chris? I have, yeah. And I think anybody who listens to this podcast would enjoy enjoy that uh, that documentary because we cover a lot of stuff from that you know from that era. 
that we're all really, I, I mean, I'm really nostalgic about. Everybody should watch Tom Seymour's movies. S-E-Y-M-O-U-R, Tom Seymour. And there's many of them. For sure. And they're all great. And especially if you're into, you know, like low budget uh, independent films, uh, Tom is a true auteur. Like he writes and directs and always or frequently acts in them. Yeah, um, I used to, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And uh, they, you do everything pretty much, right? You Then you edit it. You like start to finish Soup to Nuts. You're, you're making these movies. And it's... Uh, it's all on love and a shoestring budget, and you can really feel the love in his movies. And his documentaries are uh, terrific. And they, uh, the first one, uh, VHS Massacre, is about the, the replacement of physical media, VHS, DVD, with streaming services and the sort of things we lost uh, physically and existentially in that. And then VHS Massacre 2... Do you want to give the spiel? That's won a ton of awards as well. Well, yeah. Uh, no, thanks for the thanks for the the mention. Yeah, VHS Massacre Two delves into what you know. When I really looked about who who was getting, um, you know, sort of left behind financially in the streaming era, it was actually what you'd call the exploitation film movement, which which really exploitation means market exploitation. People think it means something else, but it doesn't. Uh, and that ends up being genre films, low specifically low budget genre films that are marketed towards specific audiences. So it could be a monster movie. It could be a martial arts film. It could be anything um, is, you know, it's, it's all in the marketing. Um, but that being said, um, media consolidation is so bad that any of the deals that you might be able to get with a low budget feature, bringing it to, um, any of these platforms from Prime to Google Play, um, Netflix, although it was built on the backs of independent content, no, really no longer takes low budget co- content. So what you find is a lot of these um, filmmakers are being starved out of the scene. And the argument in the film is that, you know, eventually society loses out because a lot of the real testing goes on with pushing the boundaries of taste and, and violence and things like that. A lot of the real pushing of the envelope happens in the, the American exploitation film movement. Um, so that, that's the argument of the film. And yeah, it's just finishing up its festival run at one 20 awards. Uh, wow, one of the big awesome. ones at the San Francisco Indie Fest. And um, yeah, so um, that is coming out. Um, the first on- is on prime. Is that right? Yeah, first okay. is on Prime, and it, it, it's on Mubi still. I'm, you know, MUBI. I don't know if you guys have that, but uh, yeah. and the second one should be coming out either through Troma Now, which is Troma Streaming Service, um, uh, maybe in June. So, and the, uh, there should be a Blu-ray. So maybe mid 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 this year it should be coming out. Cool, awesome, very very awesome. Let me ask you a real quick question, Tom. Uh, do you think, and you know, there's a little bit of this around the country. I think like uh, Alamo Draft House, one of the, one of the ones in Texas, they might have a video store with that. Do you see anything like a little bit kind of like with vinyl that video stores might just in a limited way kind of come back? Do you think that's at all possible? I think that... I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be in a huge way. Yeah, but I, definitely. I, I think there there can be these types of uh, sort of novelty shops where it's 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 a lot of merchandise, you know. Yeah. So it's a, you know VHS and it's T-shirts and it's posters and it's uh, um, you know th- that kind of thing. I know there's a franchise in um, Florida, I think called just I think it's called Grindhouse Video. And they're having a lot of success and, um, and it just, what has happened is it turns into a collector's market. So it's almost, I mean, it sounds kind of sad. It's almost like a, uh, antique shop, you know? And, and if you're really careful about what you curate, then yeah, you can make, you're making money off things, but it's not quite like a FYE or something, you know? Sure. <laughs> it's funny here, kind of along those lines, this, you know, relatively small town that Chris and I grew up in, in this area, there are more comic book shops now than there were when we were kids. There are like three or four comic book shops here now. And like our town is 
under 30,000 people. And, you know, there's a couple other smaller. So, and, you know, comics aren't anything what they were in the eighties and nineties, but somehow these guys are, are making it work, you know? Yeah. No, that's amazing. You know, it, it, you know, who knows, maybe they're doing some stuff on with online sales and stuff like yeah, that. I imagine they are. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, there's all sorts of combinations that could work, you know, like, you know, bar slash movie theater, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. For um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a collector's market now, um, but that can still be millions and millions and millions of people. So, yeah, definitely. Well, we guys, we are at time, so I think we ought to wrap it up for now. This has been really fun, Tom. Yeah, I hope great. that you will you will join us again. Well, this is a ball, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to join you again. It's just uh, you know, it's if I can uh, get yeah, away, you know. You got family. But, you got the baby. Hey, I am gonna. I'm just gonna watch. Um, what's the Tom Tom Selleck flick? What is it? Runaway. Runaway. I'm gonna just watch it, and uh, I I probably won't be able to join you, but I I look forward to hearing your podcast about it. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you if you have suggestions, if there's stuff that you would like to see, uh, and you know people listening as well, uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail dot com, and we're on all the all the socials uh, as Chris says. Um, yeah, if there's something that you want to see, you know, we're kind of all over the place. We do old stuff, we do new stuff, we do bad stuff, we do good stuff, but all kind of genre things so we have had a couple of suggestions that we haven't gotten to yet but that doesn't mean that we won't so i don't want to discourage the the you know handful of people who have reached out to us thank you and uh made suggestions that you know just because we haven't done your thing yet doesn't mean we won't we just kind of kind of go by our whimsy week to week how we're feeling um this next week we're going to do runaway 1984 tom Selleck, gene simmons Kirstie Alley, uh, check it out with us, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank and you. we will talk to you next week. <laughs>